Welcome to Kids Sing tonight. We've got a good number up here tonight. We're so glad to have you. And you know, the Bible is a very important book. And the Bible, in fact, is the most important book that we could ever own. Isn't it? It's the most important book. And the Bible has uh, 66 books in it. Also, there are 39 books of the Old Testament. And can somebody tell me how many books of the New Testament there are in the Bible? Corinne? 27, so 39 and 27 make how many? 66, right? 66 books. Do you know that in the Bible, the Bible has 1,189 chapters in it? 1,189 chapters in it. And also, not only it has that many chapters, but it also has over 31,000 verses in the Bible. Over 31,000 verses. Now, can somebody tell me what the first book of the Bible is? We always sing the books, and somebody tell me what first book is. Annika? Genesis. Okay, Genesis. I want to talk about Genesis tonight with you, just briefly. Do you know who wrote Genesis, the book of Genesis? Can anybody tell Mr. Kyle who wrote book, the book of Genesis? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know Mo, Tabitha? I almost told you. Moses wrote the book of Genesis, and... When, you know, he wrote that book, and you know how many chapters are in the book? There are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. Also, there are some key people in the book of Genesis that, that we talk about, we sing about. And one of them is with this person here. Can anybody tell me who these two people are? Very good, Carter. Very good. Adam and Eve, that's right. And also... The word Genesis, the meaning of the word Genesis means beginning. Good. Beginning. That's the word, that's the word, the word Genesis. That's what that means. Here's some other people that we talk about in the book of Genesis. We not only talk about Adam and Eve, but we also talk, uh, we talk, study about Noah. We study about Abraham. We study about Isaac and Jacob. And we study about another young man that was strong in the Lord. And his name was Joseph. So those are some key people that we talk about. Now, one of the greatest things about the book of Genesis is that the, in the very beginning, it describes a song that we sing all the time. And it's the days of creation, right? Somebody tell Mr. Kyle what God created on day one. Sorry. Created the light, didn't he? That's right. Day two. Sam? God rested on the seventh day, didn't he? You, you beat me to that one. Seventh day, God rested. But day, uh, day two, he created. What about, what's up there? The sky. The sky, right. Day three, he created what? Flowers and grass and trees. Good. How about day four? Tabitha? Not fish. That's right. Sun and moon and stars galore. Day five. Tabitha, you said it just now. Fish and fowl, right? Day six, Sam? Animals and man. Animals and man, good. Animals and man. And day seven, somebody mentioned it a while ago. God rested. That's right, day seven, God rested. So that is way, the way the Bible began, by God creating everything that we see in God creating us. Now, also, the world was, became wicked, became awful, and God wanted to uh, bring, uh, bring a saving situation to Noah and his family. So he saved Noah, his wife, their three sons and their three wives, and he told them to build a boat, and it was an ark. And do you know how long it took uh, Noah to build this ark? And he also spent all this time preaching to the people. You know how long it was? 120 years. 120 years. So those are some of the important things about the book of Genesis. About God in the book of Genesis is simply this. God is eternal. He's Alpha and the Omega. He's, he's always been and he always will be. And so next week, what I want to do is I'm going to ask you some questions on what I taught you tonight, okay? And you be ready to answer them. Now, let's do a couple of three songs together.
Let's go ahead and sing the one that we just talked about. Day one, day one, God made light when there was none. Day one, day one, God made light when there was none. Day two, day two, God made sky and sea so blue. Day two, day two, God made sky and sea so blue. Day three, day three, God made flowers and grass and trees. Day three, day three, God made flowers and grass and trees. Day four, day four, sun and moon and stars galore. Day four, day four, sun and moon and stars galore. Day five, day five, God made fish and fowl alive. Day five, day five, God made fish and fowl alive. Day six, day six, God made animals and man that day. Day six, day six, God made animals and man that day. Day seven, day seven, God rested in his heaven. Day seven, day seven, God rested in his heaven. One more thing about the book of Genesis, and that is the book of Genesis was known as a book of law. And who was the author of the book of Genesis? Who do we say? Uh-huh. That's right. I saw you were going to answer it. Yes, Moses. All right. Bible, the Bible, I love the Bible. It is God's Word. I will be careful turning the pages. It is God's Word. The Bible, the Bible, I love the Bible. It is God's Word. I won't throw it. I won't throw it. It is God's Word. Oh, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I read and study and then obey the B-I-B-L-E. Okay, we're going to sing one more song. And then we'll have our closing prayer tonight. You've listened well. Be ready next week when, we ask, when I ask these questions about the book of Genesis, okay? Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, out of my heart, out of my heart, shine out of my heart. Lord Jesus, shine out today, shine out always, shine out of my heart, Lord Jesus. It's all about it. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had together tonight in our Kids Sing program. We thank you for all your word that we love to study and, and learn about. Especially tonight, we're thankful for the book of Genesis, meaning the beginning. And Father, we're grateful for all the things that you have created for us to enjoy. Father, be with us tonight as we worship you, and may we... Sing these songs together and praise to your name and listen to your word and really try to apply it to our lives. And we pray all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. There we go. Okay, a little bit. We're kind of awake. Let's go ahead and stand up. Let's get the blood flowing, all that kind of stuff. And we'll sing an oldie but a goodie, number two.
We praise thee, O God, O the Son of Be seated, please. Number Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us with this day and allowing us to gather together, sing praises to your name, and please help us to focus our minds on the upcoming lesson, and may we be able to learn from it and apply it to our daily lives. Please be with all those who are sick or in the hospital. May they make a full recovery. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Before our lesson, we'll see number 432. How shall the young secure their hearts?
Good evening. Grant, we could have just kept on singing a little bit longer. Sounding good this evening, sounding good every time. We're able to, get, able to get together as a family and be able to sing praises to God. It's always a privilege to be asked to be able to speak. Uh, I know we are missing having Chuck with us, uh, but I know he's doing a good work, being able to go and speak at other places. It's, that's allowing him to grow in what he does, and that's, that's great for him to be able to do that. It also says a lot for the congregation here. It also says a lot to have, to have lots of different men be able to stand up and speak, but also be willing to, if you missed this morning, Merv did a great job uh, bringing us the ideas of chaos and calmness, um, wonderful thoughts that our lives are full of chaos, uh, whether it's by our choice or this is how life goes, but we also know that the calmness comes from Jesus himself, our Lord and our Savior, so if you missed that, check it on the website, go back and listen to it, wonderful lesson that was brought to us. It is, I wasn't going to say anything, but since Jeff led our prayer this evening, it's great to have Jeff with us. I'm um, looking forward to seeing how he's going to work with our youth this summer as, the, as we did last year as well. I'm really excited about that to see as the youth grow and be able to see Jeff grow as well. It's been a year, so we're excited about that. Great to have you with us. Kyle was leading our, our kids sing up here. And Claire and I, we were being bad. I'm going to tell on us. We were talking. I'm sorry. We'll take the rulers in the back afterwards. We were trying to answer the questions that Kyle was asking. I'm kind of curious is how well did all of us do with those questions? Could we answer the days of creation without singing the song? Without opening our Bibles to read it? Could we get them in the right order? Our kids are doing a pretty good job. How about the books of the Old Testament? Can we still sing them in order? How, how do you find the Old Testament books when you turn to? Are you singing the song as you flip through the pages? Just kind of curious on how our knowledge of the Bible is. We're going to dig more into that this evening as we look at children and how children are and how it affects our lives and how we affect their lives and how wonderful it is. You'll notice, as Carl mentioned, we're getting this morning, we're getting closer to the summertime. Activities are starting to come about. Those who have chosen to be teachers, you can tell who they are. They're starting to get smiles on their face because they realize the end of school is nearing. You can also tell those who are parents, they don't have the smiles. They have frowns because they know what is nearing as well. Kids are wonderful. Kids will say whatever pops into their mind, not even thinking about what is going to happen, thinking, should I say this, should I not say this? As, a, as an educator, I've had the privilege of working with four-year-olds all the way up through those who are about to graduate. And it's, it's wonderful to see the differences, to see them change, to see them grow. I've had the privilege this last year to work with elementary music, wonderful little beings. I get excited when the kids come bouncing down the hall. They should be walking, but they're bouncing. They're excited to come to music, and I'm, I get energized about that, and I'm ready to go to class. You also have the other kids that they come scuffling their feet in. They're not sure if they want to be in here or not, and you see them leave the room with a smile on their face. You've been successful. Wonderful. Sometimes I'll have the kids ask questions. doesn't matter what the question is. Go ahead and ask it. You never know what you're going to get. I had one child ask me, why do you always wear your Sunday shoes to school? <laughs> when I work, I look like this, I take the jacket off. That's the only difference. It, it stumped me a little bit because I wasn't sure. Sunday shoes, what are you talking about? These are my everyday shoes. I wear them all the time. But in their minds, that's what you wear to Sunday. That's it. It's your Sunday shoes. The one question that threw me the most, one child, four or five years old, asked, why do you have a hole in your chin? <laughs> I wasn't sure how to answer that. Didn't know what they were looking for. Kids will ask anything. They'll say anything. Not worrying about what is, is it appropriate or not? Is this appropriate to ask someone or should I just keep it to myself? Ask my parents later. We're going to look at children. First thing, why children are important. Well, let's take at it from a science point of view to begin with. We no longer have children. How long is humankind going to last? Won't be around for too long. 
if we don't have children anymore. Children are pretty important from a scientific point of view. We're not here this evening to talk about science. We're here to talk about the Bible. In Proverbs chapter 17, in verse 6, Proverbs 17, verse 6, if you've got them, go ahead and get out the Bibles. We're going to be using them tonight. If you have it on your device, that's fine too. Have your finger ready to go back and forth. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Children's children, grandchildren, they're a crown to the aged. Those that are older, the grandparents, they're a blessing. They're exciting to be able to have them for our grandparents. We go to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 3. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from Him. They're a reward. They're a blessing. Children are important. Not just in our way of life to be able to exist, but God has given them to us to be a blessing to us, to give us something to have joy, to give us something to pass on our teachings to, to be able to have that excitement as we see them grow and become the adults. But having children comes responsibility. I know we're thinking right now, wait a minute, I don't have kids, I'm out of this, I'm gonna take my little nap. Nope, go ahead and look around the room. Be awkward, look at each other. It's okay, I'll give you time. Children, go ahead and look, look as well. Look at the ones sitting next to you, look at those who are sitting around you. Adults, those are your kids. Whether you had them or not, whether they go home with you or not, they're your kids. We have a responsibility when it comes to these kids. We have a responsibility to teach. Why is it important for us to teach? Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 26. We find ourselves in Egypt. Leading up to the last plague. Moses has been given instruction by God on what they are to be doing to prepare for this night, prepare for what's going to happen after this. Moses has passed this information on to the rest of the body, the Israelites. Take the blood from the lamb, put it on the doorpost. If you have too much lamb, share it with those that are around you that have no leftovers. Bread to be made with no yeast, so it will not rise. The bitter herbs... Have your cloak tucked into your belt. Have your sandals on your staff close by. Verse 26 of chapter 12. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? The first three words of verse 27. Then tell them. Tell them. Tell them what this ceremony is about. Tell them why we're putting blood on the doorpost. Tell them why we have no yeast in the bread. It didn't have time to rise because we're going to be leaving. The bitter herbs to remind us of the bitterness that we had in Egypt. Why is our cloak tucked in, our sandals on, our staff ready to go? Because we're ready to leave. Tell them of what this ceremony means. We partake of the meal as well. We're to tell them what it means. We're to tell them what it's about when they ask. Probably even before they ask to tell them what we are doing, the responsibility to teach. In Joel chapter 1, Joel chapter 1 and verse 3, comes after Daniel, and there's another book, then you have Joel, we don't turn there very often. But Joel chapter 1 and verse 3, God has a plan. Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. Tell it to your children. So they will tell it to theirs, and they will tell it to theirs, and then to theirs. So that we will never have a situation where the children will not know. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it speaks of a generation that passes away, and then another generation that arose that did not know the Lord or knew of what he did for Israel. Who's to blame? Was it the children? Was it the generation that arose? Today's culture, society, we like to blame the younger ones. Well, they just don't have it all together. They're lazy. They don't listen. 
Who's to blame? We have a responsibility to teach. We have a responsibility to teach our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 6, you'll find the similar passage in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy. But chapter 6 adds a few more words that really bring more to us to look at this evening. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How many houses have we gone into where you see a verse that is put on a wall or on a door frame? We may not have it painted on the wall, but perhaps a picture with a verse inside that frame put on the wall. Taken quite literally from this verse. To put them about where they are seen. To talk about them when you sit. To talk about them as you're along the road. Maybe not walking anymore, perhaps driving. What's the conversation like when you're with your kids? When you're with your spouse? When you're with anybody? Is it important to talk about things in your life? Is it important to talk about the vehicle needing to be repaired? How are we going to get Bobby or Susie to soccer practice? I think I'm safe using Bobby and Susie. Do we find our conversations being more about the world and less about God? Are we satisfied with three times a week? Is that enough time? Are we about having the Bible in our everyday conversation as we teach? Or does it sit and collect dust? Is that acceptable for us? I find myself going to the argument of if history was taught three times a week, we would be satisfied as parents. Math three times a week, we would be satisfied as parents. We make sure our homework's done at the end of the day before we go to bed. Do we make time to sit down and read? I can remember growing up after dinner, we had the opportunity to gather around the table for every meal and dinner time. And we pull out the Bibles, all have our own, take a chapter out of the Bible and divide the verses up. Everyone would read. For a seven-year-old, reading 2 Kings is pretty tough. Didn't understand it. Parents would explain it afterwards. To a level that's appropriate to understand. What are we doing with our lives? Are we living with the Word of God on our lips on a regular basis? Do we find ourselves having a conversation with adults about the Bible and the kids sitting around and listening? That takes it out of the home, by the way. That puts it everywhere. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three, we have Paul writing to Timothy, encouraging him. Verse 14, but as for you, Paul saying to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Shamefully, I was frustrated on Wednesday night in our classes. Several individuals came out with the phrase, well, what did so-and-so tell you? What did so-and-so say? What did so-and-so teach you in class? That bothered me. Again, shamefully, it bothered me. Because in my mindset, Chuck does a wonderful job preaching, wonderful job. Kyle does, Daryl does, the men that have stood before you have done a wonderful job speaking. But that's not enough. 
I really don't care what they have to say. I care what this says. If they speak from it, we're good. No problems. And that's where my mind went Wednesday night. Why do we care what the teacher said? What about what God says? What does the Bible say? Well, I went and read it. Paul tells Timothy, stick with what you've been taught. Because you know who has taught it to you, and you know that it can be trusted. It's still the Word of God. When we hand our kids off to their teachers in their classes, we need to be able to know that, yes, there's a responsibility that the teachers have prepared, they've studied, they know what they're going to present to our children. And we can trust them that they're going to speak what they should teach. And that our kids can take that information and grow strong in it. It doesn't change that it's still from God. It's just coming from a different mouth. It still doesn't take the responsibility away from the parents or those sitting around in the room tonight. That we all have a responsibility to be teaching to the children. It may not look as a classroom setting, but what about our examples? We sing a song with the kids sometimes. Be careful little hands what you do, little feet where you go, eyes what you see, mouth what you do, what you say, ears what you hear. As adults, are we listening to that song? Are we setting the example that we should for our children? Are we taking the responsibility to teach? The month has been set aside for the, for the campaign of our children's education classes. If, if I'm correct, Donnie just stepped out west. We still have slots open, right? No, the other 50% weren't filled this afternoon. There's still an opportunity. Go to the internet, sign up. I'm sure you can go and talk to someone in here and say, hey, I want to teach this day, this class. They'll put you in. We have that responsibility. I know some of us are not teachers. We've tried. It's not for us. Okay. Go find someone who hasn't taught yet and push them into it. Give them the opportunity to teach. Give them the opportunity to learn. And then continue to grow on your own. And strive to be back in the classroom at some point when you're more ready, when you feel more comfortable. Because our children are important. It is important to fulfill our responsibility to teach. Let's move off the kids now. Last week, Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. Jesus is speaking. He hears in the distance, probably some noise, looks around and realizes that his disciples are keeping children from coming to him. We read in Mark about a situation, the same story, except it added a word that Jesus becomes upset, angry, frustrated. Matthew chapter 18, a little before 19, time-wise, not sure how much time passes in between, but at the beginning of chapter 18, we find Jesus walking along with his disciples, overhearing an argument that's taking place. His disciples wondering who is going to be the greatest. His disciples didn't get it. These are the 12 men that Jesus hand-selected to be the leaders of his church in the near future. And they didn't get it. In their minds, they're still thinking this Jesus has come down to the earth. He's going to rise. He's going to throw the Romans out. We're going to have an earthly kingdom. And he's going to be the ruler. So yes, we should argue about who's going to sit at that next seat next to him. Who's going to be the greatest amongst us 12? It can't be all of us. And they're having this argument. And Jesus, starting in verse 2, chapter 18, verse 2 of Matthew. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of those little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. What a wonderful painted picture for us there. Millstone around the neck thrown into the sea for getting in the way of one of these little ones. We can begin to understand the frustration that Jesus had in Mark chapter 10, as it said, Matthew chapter 19, as he has just got, he has just finished telling his disciples, get out of the way of the kids. Let them come to me. Let them learn. By the way, you should be as them. We're adults. We've all faced this. 
in the classroom dealing with my elementary music. I have an empty floor. I put dots on it with numbers. Each kid knows where to sit. They're supposed to sit crisscross applesauce. Good luck with four-year-olds on that. They're supposed to sit facing me so I can teach them. I can work with them. There's always one kid spinning on his dot. So you stop. You take care of it. You create, create, you correct the situation. You go on teaching class. Five minutes later, same kid, spinning on the dot. Stop again. Take care of the problem. Back to class you go. And it's, it happens all the time. Parents, you already know where I'm going with this. That kid figures it out. Five minutes later, it's another kid spinning on their dot. Because for some reason, it doesn't compute. They don't seem to get it. Well, that kid couldn't do it. Well, certainly I can. It's frustrating. It's frustrating as parents, as adults, to tell someone to do something, a small someone to do something, and they don't do it. Or they fix it, and then five minutes later, they're doing exactly what they were doing before. It's frustrating. We can see why Jesus was frustrated. We can see why he got upset, especially to the 12 that are supposed to know better. He stays with them, though. And one of the big points coming out of those stories is we are to be like them. Not the child on the dot spinning in circles. We're to be the child that asks the question because we want to know. We're to be the child skipping down the hallway ready to go in because we're so excited or because we are so excited during class that we walk out with a smile on our face. We are to be as them. I don't know if you've seen two kids argue. They won't like each other. Five minutes later, they're the best friends in the world. You can't separate them. If only we worked that well. We're to be as children. First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Excuse me. We have more on this children view. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We crave the milk. Obviously, as our classes begin with our newborns up through four, four year olds, we have that milk. We have teaching of the Bible, the days of creation. We have the little songs. We have them working together how to say a prayer, how to clean up. As we move on from there, from our first grade up through our fourth, fifth grade classes, we're still looking at milk. Maybe we're adding in the soft bananas and the Cheerios to make it a little bit easier to chew. And we start introducing more and more Bible characters. Our Jonas, our Pauls, our Peters, our Noahs, our David the Shepherd, and then David versus Goliath. As we progress and we continue to move away from this milk, we find ourselves in our teens digging a little bit deeper into more characters that we couldn't talk about before. Deeper stories. Challenging our youth to go a little bit deeper in their understanding as we move into the adult classes, being able to move away from the idea of milk and being able to really challenge ourselves as we look at the scriptures and into their meanings as we apply them to our lives. In Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We're to be craving the milk. As we mature, as we grow, we should be craving the meat, the further understanding. Do we pull it out 
three times a week. Growing up, my dad would go golfing two Saturdays a month. One Saturday a month, he'd allow me to tag along. It was an hour there, four hours playing, an hour back. I didn't understand golf. I'm sorry. I didn't understand golf. Every now and then, he'd let me putt. He'd let me drive the golf cart. That was fun. But as a seven, eight, nine-year-old boy, to give up a Saturday to go ride around a golf cart on a golf course, not the best thing in the world to do other things. I had a desire to be around my dad. I had a desire to listen to him talk. I don't know what he was talking about, but I had a desire to listen to him. I had a desire to get to know him. As I got a little older, I would find myself in the kitchen helping my mother cook, setting the table, cleaning the dishes. She got free labor out of it. I didn't realize that. I wanted to spend time around my mom. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to hear her talk. Still older, my parents would sit before dinner and they would just visit. They hadn't seen each other all day. They were visiting, they were catching up. I found a chair that I could sit and listen. I wanted to know my parents. I wanted to know what they were talking about. And to the surprise, it wasn't so much about their days. The conversation would be about God, about the church, about what was best for our family, not because of, well, this is the school you need to go to to get the best job. We talked about moving closer to the church building to make it easier to be a church. Those are the conversations that I would grow up hearing. I had a desire to be around my parents. I had a desire to get to know my parents. Required me to be around them. Required me to listen to them. Required me to talk to them. I craved that knowledge. As God's children, do we crave that knowledge? Do we open our Bibles up for the enjoyment of just reading? Just reading it. To enjoy it. Do we find ourselves opening it to study it? Do we find ourselves blowing the dust off come Sunday morning? In our phones, we have those fancy little apps now. Take the Bible anywhere we go. If we took the app out of the phone and put it on the shelf, how much dust would it collect? Do we crave the knowledge of God? Do we crave to become mature children, challenging ourselves on levels that we were not ready for as babes. In Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 1, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus showed us how to live. He showed us to live by love, and he showed what that love would lead us to, to putting ourselves completely on the outside and doing everything else for everyone else. It wasn't a select few, it was for everyone. He died for us all to be that sacrifice. And we're told to be imitators of God. We're told to be imitators of that Jesus who was down on the earth and showed us how to live. We're to be his children, those who long to be near him. Those who long to know him. Children are important. We have a responsibility because it is important to teach our children. But we also must be like the children with God as our Father. In John chapter 3, verse 3 and 5 is where I'll be hitting, but John chapter 3, we find ourselves with a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night, explaining to Jesus that we know that you are from heaven, you are from God because of these miracles that you work. No one can do that except one that has come from him. Jesus replies, yes, but the only way you can see heaven is to be born again. Nicodemus' response is very fair. How can a man enter his mother's womb a second time to be born again? That's a fair question. 
Because in our science world, that cannot happen. Obviously, we know what Jesus is talking about. Being reborn of the spiritual sense. Taking a step forward as Christ. And taking Him as the Savior, as the Lord. Accepting His sacrifice and taking that step into the water in baptism. And rising again to walk a new life to be His. To be His children. And to strive and to be hungry for His word of knowing our Father. We have that opportunity this evening. We have that opportunity every day to be able to say, I don't want to be of the world anymore. I want to be God's. I want to be his child. I want to live for him. I want to grow to be his. We also have the opportunity tonight, as we had this morning, wonderful example of saying I've messed up. I'm not living as I should. I'm not being that child for God as I should be. I don't hunger for his word. My Bible sister and collects dust. I don't have the flame inside me burning as I once did when I first started on this path, this journey. We have the opportunity to gather around to pray for that strength, for that encouragement. If there's a need here this evening, I need to take on that step and become God's or to ask for the encouragement, the strength. We ask you to please come forward as we stand and as we sing. Blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. If you did not have the time or were not able to be with us this morning, uh, the Lord's table is, is prepared for you now. So if you'd like to, while we sing this next song, make your way up, have a seat on the front row, and you'll be served there. 761.
Let us pray for the bread. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day and this opportunity to come together and partake of the Lord's Supper, this being the first day of the week. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for this bread that is his body that was given for us. And we ask that, Lord, that we, as we partake of this, that it is a manner worthy unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Son to die on the cross for our sins, and I pray that we remember the blood that was shed on his behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. being the first day of the week, we still have an opportunity to give as we've been blessed. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. We know, Lord, that uh, all of our possessions that we have come from you, and we thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you give us, and as we return a portion to you, we know we cannot outgive you, but we know that this is what you command, and we hope that uh, what we give will be prosperous for the church and to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together for our final hymn. Hope you guys have all had a really wonderful day. I've heard a couple of really great lessons today. Be sure you take a moment, go find the website, check it out. Honestly, it's worth it. You know, it'd be great for you to go and, and find a place where you can plug yourself into the teaching rotation and be a part of that. But honestly, if you haven't been to the website, you should go check it out. There's some really amazing stuff there. We've got a far better website than honestly, any church I know. So it is a wealth of information. It's, it's really fantastic. You should spend a little bit of time there too. Father of mercies. Let us pray. 
Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for all the many blessings that we have received. Please be with those who are sick mentally and physically and bring them back to good health. And thank you for the men and women that serve and protect this country. As we depart from the church now, we ask you to bless us throughout the remainder of the day and God is safely home and bring us back to the next appointed time. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.